This episode of the Pursuit Podcast is presented by Fisher Skis. Yo! You listen to the Pursuit Podcast on the Out of Collective. As always, always, I am your host, Mr. Adam X. You can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. I don't know. Find me. Google me. Look up Mr. Adam X. Your source for all things. I don't know. All things. I've got an opinion on things if you care. Uh, ask me. I'll answer. Is it correct? I don't know. But I'll give you an honest opinion. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. I'm back east, guys. I did it. I made it back east. My six-week journey out west has come to an end for anyone following. It was phenomenal. I skied the deepest snow I've ever skied in my entire life. And I'm back in Buffalo, New York, and it's sleeting. So don't forget to ski the east. Because it's sleeting right now. I think it's bike season. I really do. And so for this episode, I'm bringing on a bike athlete. Next week, I've got another ski episode, so we're not done with it yet. But this week, it's an interesting podcast because I actually recorded this in October. uh, And then it started snowing, so I, I shifted gears per se to a new, you know, to to the seasons, not new, but to winter. I never got to put this episode out. So maybe things are dated. Maybe things we've talked about have happened. I don't know. Kind of fun. It's fun for me. I don't know if it's fun for you. We're going to find out. Uh, my guest this week is Marley Blonsky, co-founder of All Bodies on Bikes, a movement towards body-sized inclusion in the cycling industry. Marley's a fucking badass. How about that? I've never spoken with a human who just gets it. And for that, I tip the hat. Marley's such a fun conversation, such a great cause. You know, just we're all humans. We're all going out. We're all having fun. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. And Marley's doing that like no one else I've ever encountered in my entire life. I hope to finally meet Marley in real life and actually do some fun things. Uh, I'm going to Sea Otter this week. So maybe she'll be at Sea Otter and we can do this again. I don't even know. It's such a weird concept because I recorded this what seems like so long ago. But I don't know. Marley's great. She's a public speaker. She's a badass. Co-founder of a company, All Bodies on Bikes. I don't know if it's a company. I don't know if it's a foundation. We talk about it. We We dive into it. But the reality is she's a human and she's a badass. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. But before we get into that episode, I've got to give a shout out to my friends over at Deuter. You guys know them. You love them. Deuter bags. I don't know what you guys want me to talk about. I'm loving that Freerider Pro. It's so good. So if you're heading up to Tux, which holy cow, Tux is, please be careful if you go to Tux, please. But if you're heading to Tux, grab that Freerider Pro. It's honestly the best ski bag I've ever used. PVC free. Uh, Their dedication to actually being environmentally friendly is phenomenal. They have a lifetime guarantee on all of their products. No questions asked. Uh, They'll fix it. If they can't fix it, they'll replace it. They're kind of doing it all. And they're great humans over there, speaking about great humans. And what I'm really digging is their new bike stuff. They've got a new whole new pulse line, their hip packs, for those long, sloggy day trips where you need more water and there's not enough bottles on your bike. Check out the Pulse Series hip packs. They've got room for water bottles. They've got room for all your gear, your flat tires, your tubes, whatever you want to carry, your snacks, your pocket bacon. They've got it all. Check out our friends over at Deuter. And remember, dude, it's Deuter. Okay, enjoy this episode. I don't know if we want to tell it during the podcast or now. You're on, so you can start with that if you want. (laughs) Basically, at the end of Steamboat Gravel, um, I got it was like a hell of a day. Like, had to call a helicopter, like a medevac for somebody. Just like a really, really long day, and it was only sixty miles. Like, it shouldn't have taken me eight hours to do. Right, only sixty miles. Anyway, I got to the end, and there's a camera in my face immediately. They're like, "How do you feel?" I was like, "My butthole hurts." (laughs) And the stupid thing is, 
I have like a sham. I I have like an anti chafe cream sponsor, and so like as soon as I said it, I was like, oh no! But it wasn't related to that at all. Basically, I've been riding in the mud all day, no fenders, and it just like got in there and created friction, and then yeah, not good. And also, like products help. Yes. But like they're not an end all be all. Like sometimes right. you just don't have a day. Like it, your body exactly. just hurts and like but I don't know. I think that's your and I don't know you that well by any means. We've been talking <laughs> for a minute. But like that's what makes you you is yeah. like the truest yeah. self and like there's <laughs> like this is how I feel. Like, what do you mean? Like you're you know, you're interviewing me after I just got my ass kicked. How do I feel? Like Yeah. Exactly. Like, what do you mean? How do I all feel? I want to do is eat and drink and like sit down and you're like camera in your face. How do you feel? Well, <laughs> I'm surprised that didn't like go like it. Just... Well, apparently they're still editing the footage and I was like, please, you know, don't use this or at least like put in my caveat that like, but then I use chamois butter and it was all better. <laughs> <laughs> Throw my sponsor plug in there, please. Exactly. You're going to be like the it's corn kid. They're going to like just. That's Except what's going to happen. So charismatic and cute. And um, I also share his love for corn. I was growing corn this summer and like, I get it. It's exciting. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know why it's called. And this is a Mitch Hedberg bit, but it should just be called corn on the cob should be called corn and corn off the cob should be called corn off the cob. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because corn, what we think of it as is individual corn pieces. Yeah. <laughs> and then we call it corn on the cob. But that's corn in its actual original state. <laughs> so it should be called corn off the cob and um, corn. This is my petition. <laughs> this is the hill I'm dying on. I think we've all spent way more time and energy thinking about corn this summer than we ever have before, even before Corn Kid. Like I'm more mad because the stations are like, like I'm in an area where there's like little corn kiosks everywhere right now, like sweet corn, three for a dollar or whatever. Yeah. And now they're so picked because everyone's on this meme train and they want to eat corn all of a sudden. So all my <laughs> spots are picked. It's like a, I don't know. Marley, tell you can everyone. You my backyard and pick corn. What's that? You can come to my backyard and pick corn. All right. When I get there, where are you? You're in Arkansas? Yeah. You want all to come right. down? Sure. Not okay. today, I don't think, but I'm a long way from you right now. I'm in Buffalo, New York. Oh, dang. Okay. Yeah, I'm far. Um, let's kind of tell everyone who you are. Let's start with that because people are going to be listening for three minutes now and be like, who's he talking to? So, Marley, yeah. introduce yourself. Tell them kind of who you are, what you do, and we'll really just roll with that. Sure. So, hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Marley Blonsky. I'm the co-founder of All Bodies on Bikes. Um, we're a group that works to increase inclusion in the cycling world, especially for larger bodies. Um, so to that end, I consider myself fat. I use that as a neutral descriptor, just like I'm blonde, I wear glasses. Um, I'm a fat lady. But I've been riding my bike uh, for eight or nine years now as an adult. Um, I guess I'm a professional cyclist. I get paid to do this, even though I've never won a race. Um, I've also never gotten DFL, um, which we can, do you know what DFL means? I don't. Um, dead effing last. So oh, whoever comes okay. in last. And it's kind of an honor to get that because it's like you worked really hard, you tried, you didn't quit, but I'm always like second or third from that. <laughs> you covered every one of my questions. Oh, but well, we're no, done. No, Great. we're done. Great. Let's talk about fat right away. And like yeah. how do we take that word back? I mean, I think you just gotta start using it for yourself. Um it's I think it's similar to the word queer, so I also identify as queer. Um, you know, words only have the power that we give them. So, um, when I was a kid, I got called fat all the time, you know, fatty, fatty, two by four, can't fit through the kitchen door, taunts, stuff like that. And it was really hurtful. Um, but then I realized that, like, if I start calling myself that as just like a neutral descriptor, if somebody else calls me it, it doesn't hurt. So for me, that's what I do. I am careful not to call other people fat until they've identified that way you know i'll use people in larger bodies or people in bigger bodies but i hope other folks start to reclaim it because it it really is just a word that three letters it shouldn't have as much power over us as it does yeah i like that you just use it as a descriptor yeah like some people are born fat and some people are born skinny and that doesn't mean like there's very unhealthy skinny people 100 percent. But, but we don't correlate that we correlate skinny 
with health, right? Right. Yep. So it's yeah, so just trying to like disassociate those two because just by looking at somebody, you have no idea what's going on in their body and it's none of your business. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's very interesting. Like I call myself fat a lot, which is like, I don't know. I just do it. Cause it's like a harmful word for yourself to make you work harder. Maybe. I mean, but, I hope you could get out, get that out of your head, but you know, but like that makes sense. To me, at least, because that's how that's it's been right. put in my brain the whole time. Yeah, and that's how it was for me, too, and it was really hurtful. And then once I reclaimed it and was like, well, you know, no matter what I wear, people are still going to know what my body shape looks like. I'm not hiding anything. I'm just going to start using this word to describe myself um, and really take all of the emotional weight out of it. So so what, where does Marley find this confidence? And I'm sure it wasn't an overnight thing, but like that's, you're making it sound very, very simple. Yeah. Um, I think by doing like badass challenging things that I didn't think I was capable of, you know, going on like four and five day bikepacking trips through Montana and like, damn, I didn't think I could do that. I should also say like, I'm kind of a lazy person. Um, I always have been. And that's honestly why I ride a bike because it's easier than walking or doing other forms of transportation um but yeah I think my confidence comes from like knowing that I don't owe anybody anything um I've never really fit in so now that I've like leaned into that I guess it comes from that it's like you created your own little gang (laughs) but like like no but I'm trying to think of the right way I want to ask this question because it how did you find bikes? How did you know that was a thing that you were going to lean into? Let me ask. Yeah, that. Um, I didn't at first. So I um, I was living in Seattle. I got divorced and I moved to a I was like 25, 26, maybe a little older. I don't know. Um, I moved from West Seattle where you need a car to get around and grocery shop and whatever to Capitol Hill where like a car is just a burden. Um, so I was taking the bus to work every day and it was taking me like 45 minutes to go two miles. And there were a lot of folks riding bikes and I was like, oh, they're attractive. Oh, I want to hang out with them. And so it was really kind of a desire to like be a hipster, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but also like save time to look cool. So I started commuting by bike and then I fell in with this group who did like Thursday night kind of casual party rides. Um, they introduced me to bike camping and bike adventuring. And that's kind of where it took off. I realized like, oh my God, I can ride all day long and still feel really good and have a really fun time. Like this is where it's at for me. Um, Cause I'd never, you know, been a hiker. I'd never been a rock climber. I never found my thing until bikes. And then it was like freedom, adventure, fun, friends. Like, I don't know, all the things that I was kind of looking for in my mid twenties. And then it's just continued on. Was it intimidating? At first. Yeah. Um, oh, actually let me put myself back there. Yes. So intimidating because there's all these words, um, all the clothing, you know, do you have the right bicycle? Do you have the right accessories? Um, and for a long time I didn't. Um, and that's kind of what got me started on this path. Like I didn't have a raincoat that fit me. Um, I still don't have rain pants. So it was super intimidating, especially cause my body was different. I was always the slowest. Um, but I just, again, kind of leaned into it and said, Hey guys, wait for me. Like, I want to be part of the group. And I think a lot of folks in like more traditional bodies or who could keep up with the group were also like, why are we going so dang fast? Like, um, so it took, you know, the, the slow fat lady to speak up. Um, and then, yeah, went from there. It, it is bizarre that I ride my bike a lot. I mean, I probably ride five, six days a week, whether it be a road bike, a mountain bike. I love bike touring. Uh, bike packing, whatever you want to call it. And like, sometimes it's like, are we having fun? Is anyone here having fun? Yeah. So, um, I was in Vermont riding, um, rooted Vermont, which was like, have you ever ridden your bike in Vermont? Uh, Oh yeah. It is incredibly hilly. I had no idea. I've never been to Vermont. And, um, I say riding, I was, I probably walked my bike half the time because it was just like these stupid, steep hills anyway at one point we're climbing this like really exposed portion it's super hot i see a stream off to the side and i was like i'm getting in 
And people were riding by and I was trying to yell at them like, hey, this water feels so good. And they were like, no, we got to finish. Like, why? What's the rush? Like, you're not winning. We're all just having a good time. Like, take five minutes and have some fun. Yeah, I think, you know, there is the the competitors. Like, the top 20, go. Have fun. But everyone else, you're competing for middle of the pack or just versus yourself, which is cool. But, like, my goal is to have fun. A lot. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, maybe going super fast or like challenging my body is their version of fun. Um, For me, I want to take some breaks and have fun that way. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good, I mean, that's a good outlook on it, but I'm just like, some people I don't think are having fun. I think there is that small portion that loves just pushing it. But I think a lot of those maybe middle of the pack riders get pushed into like that social norm of like, this is what we do. And like yep. from the second you get on your bike to the second you're done, you're like counting down the seconds till it's over. Yeah. And like making it a total suffer fest. And that's just not my style. Yeah. I mean, I find both. Like I am a fan. But like if I show up to a ride that I know is going to be a suffer fest and I'm with like a bunch of like bike geeks, as I would call them, I show up in like jorts and like a Hawaiian shirt and I'm like, and they judge me and I'm like, I am going to break you. Like that yeah. is like my, cause I'll flip it on them. Like, cause you're judging me <laughs> cause I don't have Lycra on and I'm not like, and I'm like, I will break you. Like you're going to try yeah. to drop me and I'm gonna break you. But then I'm like, that's not fun to me. I can do it. I have the, I have the ability to do it, but I just want to just like having fun on bikes, which I think is where bike packing. And that's been like a whole big push in the recent years but that is like what bicycles are made for in my brain oh 100 percent. it's yeah there's nothing like it i want to talk about um all bodies on bikes the film we'll talk about the whole organization but i think the film encapsulated all that it was like this is what it's about like it's not you don't have to do 100 miles in a day you don't have to like the goal is to enjoy what you're actually doing because ideally yes. you're taking off time from work to have fun. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny because they did such a good job like editing that film, but that was maybe one of the hardest bikepacking trips I've ever gone on. Um, so my counterpart in the film, Kaylee, that's one of her favorite routes, um, the sea to sea Corvallis to coast route. Um, and it's like 60 miles total. Shouldn't be that hard. But it's like just relentless climbing. You have two really, really big mountain climbs where you're climbing, I don't know, 10 to 15 miles. And that's just not my style. Like I'd so much rather do like smaller rollers or like short punchy climbs. Um, And so I actually really struggled on that ride. But the editing is fantastic. And then, um, you know, getting to the ocean and just kind of celebrating was incredibly fun. I think that's what makes... Like, obviously, they're not going to make a film of you just being sad the whole time. Like, <laughs> well, No, they do. People love trauma porn. Well, like, that's true. but And I'm so glad they didn't do it. I think, like, I like that they showed you pushing your bikes because it does tell a story. Like, it's yeah, not. 100%. It's, I mean, bike, I call it bike hiking. And, like, it's more people do it than they think they do. And I think it oh, should be 100%. a whole category. And. My dream is to make a short film of bike hiking. Like you and I will go do that trip and it'll be like time spent on the bike versus like bike hiking. And you're just like, oh my God, like a mockumentary on like me actually going on a bike ride. Um, like, sign me up 100%. Like, yeah, bike hiking 101. But yeah. it's not the bike's the tool. It doesn't, you can use the tool any which way and it's still holding exactly. your gear. It's still holding. So, how does. And I know because I watched the film, but like you and Kaylee meet the old school way, which is Instagram. Um, and just because you're like minded humans doing like minded things. Yep. How does this evolve into what it continues to evolve in? And how does it evolve into the film that it became? Yeah. So Kaylee was riding her bike across Alaska. Um, if you know Lael Wilcox, um, who's like, one of my personal heroes and also a good friend. She used to have the scholarship to send folks to Alaska to ride. Cause that's where she's from. So Kaylee was doing this ride across Alaska. She posted something on her Instagram about not having a proper jacket for this trip. Um, and I was like, that is my girl. Let's connect. So we started chatting and realized there was an upcoming, um, it was like a bike explorer summit. So 
other like-minded folks getting together in Montana to talk inclusion and bikepacking and all the things we were into. And so we went there and gave a workshop. And um, I guess technically that one was in Oregon. Anyway, so we gave this size inclusion workshop. Um, there were a bunch of industry folks there. And everybody was like, holy cow, you just blew our minds. When are you doing this again? Where do we find more information? And so that really like planted the seed. Um, about six months later, there was the League of American Bicyclists. Um, they do an annual conference. And we submitted a proposal to do this presentation there. Um, we were fundraising to get to D.C. And the Washington Post heard about our story. And so the Washington Post ran an article um, a filmmaker, Zeppelin Zerip, who um, ended up making the film, saw the story and, you know, asked us, hey, can I make a film about this? And then he pitched it to Shimano uh, over Instagram, uh, <laughs> just slid into their DMs and said, hey, I got a story for you. And then the rest is kind of history. How have brands been? Like dealing with brands, sending, I assume you send pitch decks or maybe they just come to you and it's easy peasy. Um, it's both. So at first I was sending a lot of pitch decks. Um, I need to start doing that again, um, especially because at first it was all about um, consulting and education. Um, and then it kind of morphed into sponsorship. And so brands have been incredibly receptive. Um, you know, I've got a background in corporate America, so I tend to pitch it in like a money sense of like, hey, X amount of the population lives in a larger body. If you're not making products for them, here's the market share you're leaving on the table or just not catering to. And that tends to get their attention. And then they're like, oh crap, like this really is a big opportunity. Um, so they're often really, really excited. Uh, the work is slow, which I did not anticipate. Um, you know, Pearl Azumi is one of my sponsors. I absolutely love them. Um, but the amount of clothing that I can wear from them is limited. Um, so like, we're already looking at like the 2024 line to expand some of the sizes into, and it's like, why can't we just do it tomorrow? And it's like, that's not the way that these companies work. And it's arguably a giant investment for them. Like it's a great investment on paper, but there could be, you know, they're making slim fitting cycling wear for bigger people. Yep. And that could end up sitting on shelves forever or like exactly. cyclists, you know, the bike shop, are they going to order that size? Exactly. So that's part of the the consulting work that I'm doing is, you know, looking at best practices. So Old Navy recently did this big splashy rollout where they were going to have sizes zero through 40 available in store. Um, and then maybe six months later, they rolled it back and said, Nope. Plus sizes are now back online only. And it was like, they went too far. They pushed out all this inventory to maybe some markets that didn't need it. I mean, you look at the demographics of the U S Colorado probably doesn't need as many of those larger sizes as Texas or Missouri or Arkansas. And so it just wasn't, um, I don't want to say intelligent because I'm sure there were smart people working on it, but it just didn't make sense from a business perspective. And so now they can say, ah, eh, we're not going to put plus sizes in stores. So I think kind of using that as like a cautionary tale of like, hey, we got to be really intentional about this. Maybe it's putting samples in stores that people can try on and then order because that's one, a huge barrier. If you don't know if it fits, are you really going to go drop $200 on a pair of bibs? But if you can walk into your local shop, try it on, be like, cool, I'm ordering this one. Then you're like good to go. Um, so I don't know. I've got empathy for the brands who are not sure if they want to take this risk, but I'm also like, damn it. It'd be really nice to walk into a shop and be able to buy a jacket or a pair of bibs. Yeah. It seems very simple. Like <laughs> it, it does, but it's also, and you seem to understand it a lot and I don't totally, but like we can make it, but are people going to buy it? Are, right. you know, are there consumers out there who actually want it? And that come, that's where you come into play. And you're like, there are, and yeah. we are speaking to them every day and you are one person and you know, you reach two more people and then those two people reach four, and that's how it happens. Hopefully, exactly. ideally. And it just seems so bizarre that like you can't walk into the same store and buy the same outfit that I can. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole structural thing of, you know, training bike shops to not be jerks and to treat 
the you know the fat woman who walks in just like you would treat her skinnier counterpart um it's it's a whole ecosystem shift and cultural shift that we've got to get towards but i'm optimistic about it i don't know i think we'll get there well, I think it's people like you and Kaylee and, you know, brands like Shimano and Pearl Zumi to, to do that, to the, like, yeah. lead, you're, you know, you have, to, there has to be a leader, right? Unfortunately, like there has to be one who takes the brunt of it and gets told no and no and no and no until someone says yes. And then it makes it easier for the next person. And now, you know, I'm, and I'm using the word fat today because you are. Um, yep. But like there are fat kids at home seeing your videos and seeing you doing what they were told they can't do. And like, I hope so. And you I hope there's like, you know, some 12 year old girl out there who runs across and is like, oh, dang, like, you know, and then maybe it's not cycling. Maybe it's softball or volleyball or running. I just hope that kids see that and aren't limited by their like what society is telling them. I hope they're like, cool. I enjoy this thing. I'm going to do it. Do you think it's a realistic hope? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I don't know what my, my pull is with children, but uh, I know with other adult women, I hear from them all the time, you know, on my Instagram or email saying I had given up biking or I'd given up dancing. And then I saw you doing it unapologetically and that gave me the freedom. So I think so. I think folks are just really looking for permission to do what they want to do. And um, I think by putting myself out there, kind of blowing the doors wide open. Do you ever feel like it's not your job? Does that question yeah. make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. Sometimes I just want to be like, damn it, I'm just living my life. Like there shouldn't be anything remarkable about this, anything special about this. Um, but then I'm like, but this is also kind of the I, I guess the job that I've taken on and the role that I've taken on. So I'm okay with it. And this is full time. This is what you're doing. You are. It is. And I'll ask that you consider, I think you said it already, but do you consider yourself a professional cyclist? I do because I'm pulling in a paycheck. I um, fucking love like, that. Yeah. And I was, I was talking to my, so I recently tore my meniscus um, and I was talking to my doctor about that, about, you know, what we're going to do for surgery. And he was like, well, as a professional athlete, and it just like, it kind of took me back to like have somebody else refer to me that way, especially a doctor. And I was like, whoa. And he's like, well, you know, your livelihood depends on it. Cause I do, I, I lead bike rides. I use my bike for transportation. I use it for content creation. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty dang cool. Um, I think the coolest part is like my pay is not determined by how fast I ride. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's goodness. a gift. <laughs> No, but it is interesting how the pro or the perceived pro athlete is changing. Yeah. Like how I had uh, Jess Hanna on last week and she's a mountain biker and, but she's a content creator. And yep. it's like, are you a professional mountain biker? And she's like, ah. and I'm like, without that mountain bike, you wouldn't be getting paid. Right. So it's like a really interesting shift and sometimes it makes me feel because I like, am I a professional podcaster? Like I make a dollar doing this. Like I'm not rich, but like I I can, I couldn't live off this, but I make something and yeah. it's like, I don't know. But then you're like, oh, am I taking out of someone's pocket? Do you ever have like imposter syndrome? Um, only when I go to the start line of really big races and people are like, so what, what time are you going for? And I'm like, I just want to finish. Um, <laughs> So in those instances, yeah, or on days when I just don't want to ride my bike, um, then I feel like an imposter, but otherwise, no, not really. What's your biggest ride right now? Biggest race? Did you just do Unbound? I did do Unbound, yeah. So that was like a gravel century. And then a couple weeks later, I rode from Seattle to Portland, which was 205 miles. That is an undertaking. In a day? No, I did two oh, days. okay. I was going to say, like you... That is an undertaking. Yeah, I did two days and then I quit in the middle of day two, <laughs> crawled into a car, took a nap for 14 miles and then got back on. <laughs> there you go. Good for you. Good for you for telling that too. Cause that's, yeah. 
it's not easy and it shouldn't be easy. And the internet makes it seem easy all the time. Oh my gosh, all the time. And so I'm grateful, you know, pros like Payson and Pete and Sarah Sturm and those like other gravel cyclists who are really honest in their race reports or, you know, dealing with injuries and setbacks. And I think that they are also doing a really good job being authentic and not just, you know, talking about how pretty it is and how easy it is. No, like Sarah posts like just videos of her like tomahawking like that. I feel like that woman has crashed more than like any, at least she shows it. It's like, I wouldn't ride a bike again, like after yeah. some of her crashes. And she's like, I came oh back God. this year. And I'm like, she like hit a cow or a cow hit her a this cow year. Hit her. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like... I don't know. But that's, I mean, I think that's why we ride is for the adventure and for the fun and the unexpectedness of it. Um I don't know. I think it's also, and not to bring it down, but it's been a hard summer for our little community, you know, with Mo and Suli and like it, it's kind of been a little bit of a reality check of like, yeah, this is fun and we get to ride our bikes for our job, but there's a real danger element to it too. Yeah. There's a, it's, I mean, especially like riding just roads on your own. I think that's, I at least forgot about it during COVID because you could just ride your bike. Yeah, and, and there were no, no cars. One out, and it was like, oh, this is, I love road riding. And then like the world happened again, and I was like, oh no, like back to the woods for me. Exactly. But it is hard to like remember what a privilege it is to ride a bike every day. And exactly, you guys are riding for fun. You're right; it's your job. But like, at the end of the day, it's it's fun. Yeah, and you're riding to finish, which is even cooler. Like I'm just gonna ride my bike and like take a break and do whatever, and that's. Like, I'm glad I'm not a front of the pack leader because that is so much pressure and it's hard for the, I don't want to say woe is me for any of those, but like Pete, like you're expected to win or do really well. And that's hard to have fun. Yeah. Like, and Um, it was really fun. So at Unbound, um, Ian Boswell, who we've become friends over this past year, you know, he didn't race, not Unbound, um, Steamboat Gravel. So he didn't race Steamboat, but he was on um an e-bike i'm not sure if he ever used the electricity on it because when i saw him he was just like powering up a hill his legs are but insane. He had, like yeah he had paneers and like food and was helping people out and then at one point we got to um, a rogue aid station and took a couple shots together and he was like this is fun i've never gotten to do this and it's like yeah this is what the rest of us experience while you're up front like working your ass off worried about two extra kilograms from water like I just ate two extra kilograms back there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, and I'm sure he loved that. I'm sure. And there was a, some drama at one of the gravel races recently, not with Boswell, with, um, with Pete, Pete and, and Payson. And it's like, okay, they're changing the way that gravel racing is going to be done. Like you, sp- yeah. you said, like carrying extra, whatever, like those guys are going to be carrying more water not stop like talk about not having fun like exactly used to get a break they used to like take <laughs> two minutes I sent them both my life is so bizarre i sent them both a text message because somehow i have both their phone numbers and i was like hey guys like great job in the race blah blah, blah. i don't care about the drama do you want to do a weighted race like basically you put on however much it takes to get you up to my weight and then we see how that extra weight feels and they were both like we're in so I'm working with a couple of folks right now to make that a part of Mid-South Gravel next year. That um, is amazing. <laughs> so I don't know, like complaining about two extra kilos of water weight. Like I get it when you're like that focused on performance, but I would love for them to experience what it's like to be a 250 pound woman. Well, person, I guess it, I can't tack boobs on them, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but just to know what that's like, you know, like, um, I don't know. We all out there having our own days. So no, I think that would be fun. And I think it would, you know, it'd be such a good piece. Like I hope you guys film it and make something out of it. Cause it would just be, and I think it would, and maybe I don't, again, I don't know how to say it, but like the whole goal is to normalize everybody, right? Exactly. Like fat, yep. skinny. And it's like, I'm sure there are people at, you know, the start line who might look through you or maybe look right at you and scoff. Oh, and it's yeah. like, who fucking cares? Like, how are we having these conversations right now that like, I'm not lining up to get in a race like it's not I'm not doing it. So who am I to yeah. judge anybody that's doing it? 
And like, we all know 99% of those age groupers who are scoffing at you aren't going to fucking win anyway. Right. If you get, if you get 110th place or 200th place, you didn't win. Right. And so I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm trying to show like by example that like you can ride for joy. You can ride for whatever reason. Um, and to be fair, like it, I think I already said this, but if folks enjoy competing and like pushing their bodies to the max, like I want to enable more folks to be able to do that. Um, fat, skinny, regardless, like let's get you on a good bike that works for you. Let's get some clothes that work for you. Um, Cause that's I, like, there's, I mean, there's a legitimate barrier right now. If you weigh 300 pounds, you know, if you're a six, three dude, finding a bike that you're not going to break can be really hard. Are there companies that are actually doing something about it? Yes. Um, and not to be like my sponsor, but Cannondale makes, um, actually the bike I'm on right now, the top stone, um, in their aluminum, like entry level model the weight capacity is like 330 pounds, which is pretty decent. Um, there's a lot of steel company or steel bike brands out there, Surly, All City, those guys, they don't really have a weight limit. Um, and then, you know, I think the biggest failure point is the wheels. And so doing that education to say, hey, buy whatever bike you want and then invest in some like custom wheels with a high spoke count. And there's lots of folks doing that. What is this like? So I know you do a lot of public speaking one, were you comfortable with that in the beginning? I know you said you come from the corporate world, but still, like getting in front of people can be very intimidating. And what does a class look like and who's it for? Like, let's do a little pitch for like anyone listening that maybe they have a business where this makes sense. Heck yeah. Um, so I've loved public speaking my whole life. Um, I, I don't know if you attention whore or narcissist, but I love public speaking, uh, mainly because people can't talk back at you. Uh, <laughs> But um, so the class, so I, I guess there's two separate things. So I'll do a lot of keynotes. I'll do, I'll lead panels, discussion groups, things like that. And then I also do like size inclusion, training and consulting. And so, you know, the first 15, 20 minutes are laying out the basics. Like, what is it? Why does it matter? Um, like, you know, getting larger bodied folks onto bikes is cool, but it's a bigger societal issue. Like body size is not a protected class in I think 48 states. So you can be fired for being fat. You can be denied housing. Um, you can be denied healthcare. There's all sorts of things. And so like the bike is kind of the avenue that I'm taking to do this advocacy, but it's a bigger picture. So we do a lot of education. We talk about, um, you know, we talk about BMI, the problem with BMI and how it was never intended to be used on a population basis or for individuals. Um, and then we get into um, like marketing best practices. So kind of going back to our earlier conversation, you know, a lot of times brands will create a plus size line or extended sizing, but then you go to their website and you don't see any bodies that are bigger. So if, as a consumer, how are you supposed to know that they have bigger sizes? Um, so we talk about marketing best practices. We talk about like the actual nuts and bolts of bigger bodies on bikes like failure points and weight limits and how to have those conversations. You know, if you get somebody who comes in um, and wants to adjust their shock pressure on their mountain bike, you know, you can say, cool, how much do you weigh? Or you can have like a little chart and say, you know, what range are you in? Cause they don't need to know exactly there's, there's ranges there. And so basically just training on how to be sensitive, how to keep people safe um, and how to be more inclusive. Um, it, I do it in person. I do it on zoom and kind of tailor it to whatever the company is. So like we've done it for Lululemon, Pearl Azumi, um, REI, all sorts of different brands. It's interesting that you say the weight thing because, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I used to work at a ski shop a lot and I dabble there sometimes now, but like we have to set up their bindings and I right. have to ask their age, their height and their weight and, and like weight, height yep. no one cares about, but like, it's for safety. And exactly. I'm like, I never know. I'm always yeah. like, fill these three things out. I was like, it's height, weight, and age. It's like, it's sacred. No one's ever going to see it. We just want to set your bindings up safely so that they stay on when they're supposed to and come off when they're supposed to. And yep. sometimes people are like, well, why do you need to know my weight? I'm like, well, because I weigh 200 pounds and you weigh 120 pounds. So like our spring rate is different. Exactly. Like, yeah. And my knees 
at this level can handle more than your niece. Like, even if you're 10 times better skier than me, you weigh 120 pounds. I can't do that. Or you weigh 300 pounds. So it's, I remember like the first time I had to like do it, I was very like, now I'm like, I care less, which I think is good, but it's, it is interesting. I'm like, how do you approach this? And I'm with a bunch of ski shops. Yeah. And so it's it's exactly like you said, you know, um, educating employees on how to have that conversation in a sensitive way and knowing that some folks are going to say, yeah, I weigh 275 or I weigh 130, whatever it is. And other folks are going to be like, can I write it down? But there's strategies, there's ways to, just like you were saying, you know, say, hey, this is for your safety. You can put signs up that say, we're going to ask your weight. We don't actually care. It's just for your safety. Things like that. Um, so we kind of get into those really good discussion points during the class too. And it's just understanding that not everyone is comfortable in exactly. their own skin. Like, yep. not everyone can say they're a professional fat cyclist confidently. <laughs> like, but it's like, that's hats off to you and your mindset and like being what should be one of the easiest things on the planet is just being comfortable with you because you're you but like that's not easy i had this like revelation is that the word where like i figured out that i could wear a bikini basically like like i said my body is fat people looking at me know this and so i could wear like a big like flowing dress and try and hide it or not, you know, it's going to be there no matter what. And it's not a surprise to anybody. Um, so now I just kind of live unapologetically and like, this is my body and this is what I want to wear. As you should. Yeah. Like, why are you going to apologize for, unless you're like, not you, but like, unless you're a piece of garbage human being, like no one should apologize for being themselves. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're like causing harm to other people. Like well, Right. That's the category of you're just a piece. There are people that are not great and that sucks. Yes. But like you should apologize for being not great. But yeah, everyone else who's trying to give a shit and care. And I think so much of like, you know, fat people on bikes and then the counterculture of like a bunch of nerdy cyclists. It's like you're you're so nervous to embarrass or offend that you dodge it. Yeah. That you don't even look at it. You don't even like like I don't want to offend them, so I'm not even going to talk to them. And it's like, yeah, that's not the answer. That's not the answer either. Like I don't know. You both share a love for bikes. Like talk about that. And for the record, I know plenty of nerdy fat folks on bikes who will like get into all their bike specs and. People are like, what gear ratio are you running? I'm like, I don't know. Ask my mechanic. Like, there's pros for that, and I pay them. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly it. Like, me generalizing. Like, that's. Yeah. And then you coming back at me and being like, oh, for the record, they're fat, nerdy people, too. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's a- but, like, I, I put myself out to have these conversations so that hopefully everyone listening can learn. And, like, I want to make uncancelable mistakes <laughs> and like I have to that's that's the joy of it that's the fun of yeah. it and that's how we continue to spread the word and have these conversations and like I can't pretend to know what you go through when you go to a starting line I don't right. I don't know what that is like I'm not born with a fat body I may call myself fat sometimes and be like you know I'm not in the best shape for me but like my body is naturally skinny-ish like yeah i'm bulky i'm 200 pounds all day but like i could be 250 i could be 180 if i was fighting Um, but like it's it's fun to have these conversations and like i love to not have to tiptoe obviously i'm not just gonna go offend people but like you just called me out and that's like the greatest fucking feeling in the world because when you get called out you learn hopefully i mean i try and I, I've learned some some hard lessons over the past couple of years of like with my platform, when I call people out, it has consequences. So I try and do better about like calling people in and like just like learning from it and not expecting perfection. Um, like progress is fine. We're all learning this together. Um, but there's some things that I just don't have any tolerance for. I don't know when people are assholes, um, especially like people come onto my Instagram and make like the rudest, like meanest comments and it really 
used to hurt me sometimes and sometimes it still does but then I just have to remember that like hey every comment is engagement on my posts so I'm winning how do you, <laughs> you do you be assholes all day long but yet you're upping my engagement rate so go for it it's so crazy to me that people take time out of their day to shit talk people um, right what does your Instagram look like as far as that like are you getting comments from people like that daily has yeah. it um so it's funny i used to say like oh, i live in this like you know golden corner of the internet where i don't have trolls and i don't have haters but as my presence has grown and gotten like more to the bigger public i probably have like three to four awful comments every day um and i sometimes i'll go in and delete them but most of the time i just ignore it um I don't know. I like, I put something up the other day about my knee and somebody was like, it's caused by morbid obesity. And so I wrote back and I was like, Hey, thanks. If I knew I could have gotten free medical advice, I wouldn't have spent $500 on an MRI, you know? So just kind of taking it tug in cheek, but people are jerks and everybody thinks that they know my life better than I do. Yeah. It's not, I think it goes back to like being just because you're fat in quotes doesn't mean you're unhealthy right and like there are plenty of good even if i am unhealthy that's nobody's business but my own like the woman in vermont who yelled at me like well at least you're not on the couch what's so wrong with being on the couch like i'm sure she enjoys a coffee on the couch at every morning i don't know yeah no that's it's interesting and it's crazy that's that would come out of someone's mouth like what like I don't, know. I don't know. There's a lot to change. Yeah. And I think these conversations help. And I think you working with brands helps, um, you know, like fitness you know, watches. I mean, like there's there's a fitness watch out there that says like, hey, your BMI is high. If you lost 10 pounds, you'd have this much better performance. And you're like, oh, my God. Like maybe motivating to some. Yeah. But. It's interesting. And I think it's shifted, right? Like the, the, that was acceptable 10 years ago. You know, I think, I think in some circles it has. So maybe when I was up in Seattle, I lived in a bubble and thought like, oh, you know, when I go to the doctor and ask not to be weighed, it's no big deal. Moving to Arkansas. Um, I feel like I've gone almost back to the beginning of my advocacy work of, you know, explaining to people that like, Hey, not everybody's riding a bike for fitness. Some people are riding it for joy. Some people are riding it for transportation. Um, every time I go to the doctor, I get weighed. Even when I say like, I was here two days ago, my weight has, is the same. Do you, is it medically necessary? And they're like, uh, yeah, we have to do it. I'm like, do you, you know? Um, but I think we're getting there in some circles. Definitely not all. And how do we change it? Conversations like this advocacy being allies for our friends and bigger bodies you know you go to a restaurant and make sure that if you're with a friend in a bigger body that they're comfortable in their chair um things like that i love it i love that you're you're doing it and it's probably not fun every day so thank you for doing it thank you for sharing your story uh well then i, I just go home and eat ice cream and it's so fun well yeah I, i'm upset like that is like my kryptonite like I could go for like a hundred mile bike ride and then just eat a gallon of ice cream and be like, I think Wait, I, have a, I have a logistical question. How do you eat ice cream in the van? Do you have a freezer in there? Or what's your setup? Uh, I do have a fridge freezer, but I don't really use the freezer. You can like take the freezer out and have more fridge space. Um, so I just go get it and I just like buy it as needed, which is worse though. Cause then like if you buy a pint of Ben and Jerry's where like maybe I'd only eat like a half <laughs> I just eat the whole thing. We're like, like, well, it's going to go to waste. Yeah, so like you have to. It. Sometimes yeah. in the winter, I'll like eat half and then like put it in the snowbank. Oh, God. And then just eat it in the morning, which is like, I don't know. Makes me feel okay. a little crunchier, but like it's frozen. I don't know. It's fine. Um, My favorite holiday of the year is ice cream for breakfast day. What is that? That's a day? It's a day. It's the second Saturday in February. Um, I usually throw I a no party idea. for it. But I'm telling you, if you have not had ice cream on steel cut oatmeal... Woo. That's a it's move. Life changing. Do you cook the oatmeal like hot, oh, and then, yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. just put yeah. o- then you just put ice cream on it? Uh huh. I mean, I'll try anything once. So oh, it's so good. I why even have the oatmeal though? 
for like fiber and I don't know. I I don't know if this is going to sound weird, but like I can't eat as many sweets as I used to. I just get like a sugar headache. And so as much as I would love to just eat ice cream, I think I'd get sick. Same like I can't have like a cinnamon roll for breakfast. Like I I used to be able to just eat whatever. And now my body's like, you need fiber and carbs and fat and responsibility. This is what happens when you ride your bike every day. So that happens when you turn 36, your body's like, I need nutrients. Same, same age here, same age, living it. Um, what is one thing, I just have a couple more questions because you're yeah. you're scooting here soon. One We're actually th- going to have coffee with Jessiana. Oh, perfect. Well, I yeah. literally, her interview dropped Wednesday and I interviewed her on Tuesday. So you guys can talk if you guys hate me and bat- banter. Uh, <laughs> She's so good. Um, one thing you always bring with you on a bike packing trip that isn't necessarily a necessity. Edibles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Without a thought. Edibles. Boom. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Edibles. Um, no, but otherwise, um, uh, a camera? Edibles is an exception. I'll accept edibles as an answer. Yeah. Someone said yeah. food once, and I was like, no, you have to have food. That you doesn't have to have count. Food. Like, that's 100%. not like, give me something stupid. Edibles is stupid enough. I like that. I like that yeah. answer. And I don't know. I feel like it's so stigmatized in this country, but like to me, if I have an edible, it's like I had a glass of wine or a beer. Like, I get a little bit silly, but I'm not like super, super inebriated. So I don't ride super high, but it's like nice when I get to camp to like eat one and kind of like aches and pains and just makes me a little more relaxed and not worried about the boogeyman so much. Yeah, I think there are, like, I, you know, when I go on bikepacking trips and, like, if someone's new, they, like, just buy, like, granola bars and all these, like, and I'm, like, get something that you want to snack on that might snap you out of a mood. Like, have some Swedish fish in your bag and, like, you can't just eat those all day. Like, it's 100 degrees and you're pedaling your bike, but, like, you might be real crabby at one point and have a couple Swedish fish and it might just... And then your days turned around. Yeah, like, yeah. so edibles is a huge component of like real food on bikepacking trips. Like, you know, sitting down and making like easy pad thai or like going to a farm stand and getting some veggies and pasta and just cooking it up. I think that's the fun of it is like seeing what you can make with little. Like, what can yeah. I make in my jet boil with, you know, one pan and like these ingredients and you're like exactly. crunching up like crackers for, cr- you know, like it's. I think that's the fun of it. Oh, um, yeah. Soundtrack. What do you listen to? Mm, I've listened to a lot of Sylvan Esso lately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just like kind of a consistent beat. Um, I used to do podcasts, but then they're kind of slow. And then I'd be like, oh, no wonder this is hard. Like there's no beat to ride to. I like that. I'll take that. I'll take that answer. Not that I'm like the keeper of answers, but. <laughs> <laughs> um. Pickles. I just have pickles on here. It seems like you have a pickle <laughs> obsession, a pickle, I don't know. I don't know if obsession's the right word. I love pickles. They're delicious. They're really good to eat. I have a pickle tattoo. They're just kind of funny. They're like phallic shaped. I just got a pickle costume at Walmart last night. Um, I don't know. They're just fun. I grew my own pickles this summer. Well, I guess technically I grew cucumbers and then I pickled them. That counts. Um, I don't know. They're just fun. Have you had, there's a pickle freezy pop out now? Oh, yeah. I'm sponsored by them. Bob's Pickle Pops. Oh, man. Look at that. I didn't even know you were sponsored by them. I would love Bob's Pickle Pops. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Have you had pickle pizza? No. Oh, my God. It'll change your life. Is it a red sauce or a white sauce? White sauce. Okay. And what else? Like garlic and like I'm not the chef. I have no idea. It's so good. Um, No, but it's like. Yeah, it's white sauce with some cheese, some pickles. They put some garlic on it. I don't know. It's so good. Like That sounds amazing. It's good even if you don't, like if you're not, like I it really enjoy pickles. They're really good for cramping and muscle yeah. recovery. Like they actually are, like pickles are good for you in that world. But pickle pizza is like, yeah, there's this place called the Hot Tomato in Fruta, Colorado. Okay. And they have like the best pickle pizza I've ever had in my entire life. Dang, if you ever I'll get to Fruit of Colorado, 
That's right. I had um I made pickle soup one time. Oh, how's and that? It was too much. Okay. Uh, it was just very very strong dill flavor and I was like, mm, "Nope, this is not where it's at." <laughs> pickle soup would be I mean, I think you should give it another attempt, but it's got to be I think it's got to be like pickle and potato soup. Like potatoes got to be the main thing and then like then you the flavor comes from when you actually bite into the pickle. Then you exactly. get that sensation. But if it's a pickle broth, yeah, no, too much. <laughs> too much, too much. I think that's where I think that's where you lose me. Um Marley, thank you. Sponsors to thank. Where can people follow you? Where can they reach out and say nice things to you? And what can we look forward to in the future from you? Oh my gosh. Okay. So starting out where to find me, Instagram, Marley Blonsky, um, or All Bodies on Bikes. Um, I also have a website for both of those, MarleyBlonsky.com, allbodiesonbikes.com. Um, sponsors to thank. Um are you ready for the list? I'm ready. I, I love this. I should have it written down and I don't. But anyway, this honestly wouldn't be possible without them. So Cannondale, Pearl Azumi, um, Shimano, Chamois Butter, Laser Helmets, Floyd's of Leadville. If you're looking for CBD products, they're amazing. Um, Kuat makes a great rack. I don't know if you need a rack for your car, um, but they're super um, secure. Um, I think, oh, Bow Iron, I think is how you say it. Arnica. Like it's like a topical because yeah. I'm always injured. I don't know. Bob's this pickle pops. Wild. Bob's pickle pops. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, <laughs> but definitely open to more sponsorships too. Like as a non-traditional athlete, you know, um, happy to endorse products I actually use. Um, and then what's coming up next? So really, really fun. Um, well, not fun. I'm having knee surgery next week. That's not fun. um but then um i've got a film coming out next spring with pearl azumi um we had a camera crew with me at unbound and um it was a silly day it was my first century um so that should be a really really great film um and then we are officially incorporating all bodies on bikes as a nonprofit. so there'll be opportunities there for chapters and volunteering and all sorts of good stuff that is amazing. Um, congratulations on everything so far. You're literally just like getting started, I think. Um, just I mean, I'm still waiting for like my star to dim. It's it's so bizarre to like, I was on stage at Steamboat Gravel with, what's his name? Volteri Baltus. I think that's He's like his an name. F1 driver. Something like that. I didn't know who he was. And I wouldn't I was be like, able oh, to pick cool. him out. What do you do? He's like, I drive cars. And I was like, are you good at it? Yeah, but I love <laughs> that. We can't be expected to know everyone who does everything. Like Exactly. And everybody's like, you got a picture with Volteri? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> he got a picture with me. Exactly. <laughs> uh, real quick, short story. I interviewed a coup at Rack once at Sea Otter, and its handler was really mad at me. <laughs> Were you just like talking to it? Yeah, I had like a cordless microphone, and I was like. Oh, my God. And Can she- we go to Sea Otter and just cause havoc? That's what I do. I will be at Seattle next year and I just run around with a wireless microphone and I sing Smash Mouth to people and I like interview their hubs and they just click and then I just look at the thing. It's chaos. But so if Kuat listens to this, whoever your Kuat rack handler was, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, I was like, she was like trying to, she wasn't reading the room and the room was me who's like, I'm here being a jerk. Like I'm not being a jerk to anybody. I'm just like being like Billy on the street and I'm like interviewing the bike rack and she's like, Oh, well it's only $2,700. And I was like, would you rather have this Kuwait bike rack or a 1992 Honda civic? And she was just like, not. And then she said something about like Kashima coded. And I was like, Oh, I love sushi. And she was like, just like deadpan looked me in the eye and was just like, fuck you dude and i was like she didn't say that but like right i felt it and i was like okay oh my god we could cause so much um fun havoc at sea otter yeah i will Um, i will be there causing havoc so that's Um, that's easy for me i will hopefully be there again last year i got to go and be on a panel with cannondale which was awesome um but it just made me want to ride my bike because i'd never been to sea otter before i had no idea chaos it's so it's so there's so much happening it's wild yeah, I just I literally just sang Smash Mouth with like four thousand people, <laughs> like willing or not, unfortunately. So sorry to everyone I run into there. Sarah Strum, Pete Staten, I'm like somebody. 
and they're just like, just <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry. Ian, Ian Boswell grabbed me for like a podcast interview for his breakfast with Boz, but I'd been hanging out at the Kona booth drinking margaritas all afternoon. Um, that footage has never seen the light of day. Sometimes that happens. You should not do podcasts drunk, as it turns out. <laughs> I, I interviewed uh, Rach McBride with Diamondback and, well, not with Diamondback anymore. Lost all the audio. Gone. Yeah. No idea. I was like, Rach, we got to run this back. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I got sea ottered. It just happens. Sometimes things happen and you, so. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. Marley, thank you for your time. Tell Jess I said hello. And yeah, that's it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Adam. Absolutely.